In this episode, it's electric vehicles and plug-in hybrids. We talk the IS500 versus the Acura TLX Type S, and it's another LF1 rumor, this week on the Lexus Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Kevin Watts. I'm the founder of Lexus Enthusiast, and joining me is the newly minted executive editor of Lexus Enthusiast, Michael Pannone. Hey, Kevin. How are you? You're good. I'm doing good. Good. I was happy that we finally settled in on your job title. Yeah, now that I have business cards. <laughs> yes, business cards. And... and why do I have business cards? Should we tell them? Should we mention that? Yeah, we should definitely give a little teaser at least. So this week I am out in Plano, which means that the next podcast, hopefully we have some more exciting Lexus news to talk about. Some actual real life content, uh, as opposed to the way that it's been for the last year and a half. Hoping for some chats with some executives and hope to see a couple fun things I can come back and tell you guys about. Well, the thing is, is right before the coronavirus hit, I was uh, scheduled to do an event in Monterey uh, with the LC convertible, and it was over like a four-day period. Obviously, the coronavirus destroyed that, as it did so many other things. But yeah, so this week, uh, Michael's uh, going to Plano. And then, you know, we have a few things to talk about today, but we actually have some follow-up from our previous episodes. But before we get into that, I did want to talk a little bit about your GX and, and how you're enjoying that. Oh, yeah. So I guess I've had it for about five weeks now, and I'm mm -hmm. coming up on a thousand miles, which is a little crazy that I've even been able to drive that much since I'm working from home. Mm -hmm. But I have also been looking for pretty much every excuse to drive it. <laughs> Coffee, Home Depot, anywhere I can go. I'm like, yeah, I'll drive. So <laughs> I do love it. I like. I actually do love it a little more every day and every time I drive it. But I did have a little situation where I curbed a wheel and oh, like I'm, I'm always super particular about my cars. You know this. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's this street in Atlanta that if you live here, you know, DeKalb Avenue, but it's three reversible lanes. And so when you drive on that road, it requires like a lot of attention because the lanes can change depending on where they reverse and where they don't. And anyway, I was pulling out onto this street, making a right turn around a corner and I thought I was fine. And somebody came around the corner pretty quickly, like as I was pulling out, had to cut it really hard really quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I felt that back tire. Yeah. And ended up getting curbed, unfortunately. Oh. And uh, it wasn't that bad, but I will say one of the things I liked about the GX Luxury was the bigger 19-inch wheels. I think they yeah. just fill the wheel wells a little better and they look nicer. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, but uh, the downside of that is you get a lot less sidewall and it was yeah. just enough of a scuff that like if I had probably, <laughs> if I probably had the 18-inch wheels or I had wheel or tires that had more sidewall, it probably would have been fine. I ended up calling a mobile tire repair guy and he actually did a great job i've never seen it done this way but the wheels are aluminum so he basically just kind of like lightly polished out the scuff the wheels are actually fairly soft i guess so he just kind of lightly polished it out and blended it in Oh, okay. So you didn't have like a, an actual scrape. It was just the surface. I mean, it was definitely gouged a little bit. Like it oh, okay. was probably pretty textbook, like curb rash, okay. but he was able to just go over it and kind of like polish it in. And now like you really can't tell at all. He did a great job and I'm, oh, that's amazing. I'm super picky about these things. Like I even was kind of thinking to myself, okay, what's it going to cost to buy a new wheel? Cause that's what I'm going to oh, have to do. <laughs> so, but no, it, it, it turned out great and I'm really thankful. So yeah. Yeah, so like I mentioned, we do have some follow-up. The first one was from somebody in uh, Vancouver, Todd. 
when we talked uh, last episode, we were talking about our favorite competitors uh, of Lexus, and I mentioned Genesis, and I said, oh, I really like Genesis, but I don't like any of their vehicles, and uh, <laughs> well, Todd, Todd didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted a little bit more and uh and i mean i maybe was being a little dramatic but i do find the genesis their designs were fairly generic in the beginning and i still see a lot borrowed from other brands with their design i do like the g80 mm -hmm. but i don't understand giant radar shields on the front grill oh yeah it's very like 2005 it. yeah like it's 2021 but surely <laughs> to god they can figure out how to like hide it behind the, the actual grill do you remember when the ls430 came out with that yes. ultra luxury package and it was on the refresh it was like the 2005 mm -hmm. and 6 i think and it had that big plastic yeah. plate on and the it just it really detracts from the rest of the design and because you know genesis they're all luxury cars people want all the features and unfortunately one of those features just really kind of wrecks the whole look for me Mercedes seems to be struggling with it as well. I mean, I see it on the on the new S class. Yeah, I think it's just the design of the of the actual grill. The two of them need to be really integrated. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that's kind of what I was saying. I I realized that those are minor points in the grand scheme of things. But, uh... <laughs> I will say, after we had that conversation and you mentioned Genesis, I was thinking a lot more about it, and I actually do really really like the G80. I like the GV80 too, but I really like the G80 and I feel like the G80 is maybe what the GS should have been. That fastback, coupish roofline, dramatic long hood. I do think it is a nice looking car. I really do like it. I'm not as sold on the interior. I know you like the interiors, but mm -hmm. from an exterior design perspective, Genesis really has, they've arrived. They have their own look, their own feel. I like it. And, and the GV80 is nice too. And I think being in an SUV market, of course, it'll sell. Yeah, so not a lot of Lexus stuff happening in the last two weeks, but there was an announcement about their hybrid sales, which just reached 2 million uh, since 2005. And that's a pretty big milestone. Mm -hmm. It's strange to me now in this day and age to separate sales in that regard. I guess that it is a milestone, but at the same time, hybrids. I have this whole thing about hybrids that it's starting to feel like a default technology to me. But regardless, they announced their 2 million hybrids worldwide sold. Did also say that 33% of all of their vehicles sold in 2020 were hybrids. That's awesome. I So when you say that you feel like hybrid has become a default, what do you mean by that? I just, I think that the ship almost has sailed on hybrids as a defining technology. So I actually agree with you, and I know that we've talked about this a little bit in reference to the LS and maybe the next generation LS. My mm -hmm. opinion is I feel like hybrids are table stakes. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we agree on that. I actually think right now and maybe the future of Lexus, I almost wish that Lexus was hybrid only. And I know that's a pretty bold claim for some people. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe there's a couple exceptions made for things like the LC. But if you think back maybe 10 years ago, people were sort of like, do I really need a hybrid? Where do you plug yeah, it added in? technology. Or... Yeah, it was, there was a lack of awareness about what they really did and how they operated. And yes. I think part of it has actually been fixed by the proliferation of Toyota hybrid because now there's Avalon hybrid, Camry hybrid, Highlander hybrid, RAV4 hybrid, Prius. Like you, could, like there's hybrids all over the place, and yeah. we've seen specifically in the last like two years, hybrid sales are crazy. 
the dealers that I've talked to during that time have all like both Toyota and Lexus dealers have said the hybrids are selling either before they're on the lot or as they come off the truck. Like they yeah. don't they don't spend any time on the lot. And you remember last year, my mom was getting rid of her Highlander and she drives a lot for work. So we went and test drove the RAV4 hybrid pretty extensively. The dealer that we went to was great. They were like, you know, take it home, put it in your driveway, do what you want. And like spending that much time with the RAV4 hybrid was like, why would you ever buy one that wasn't? So I think you look at the package, you look at standard all-wheel drive on something like the RAV4, you look at the extra horsepower that you get. Toyota and Lexus are known for hybrids. And I go I go back to that statistic that we've talked about a couple different times that says something along the lines of battery electric vehicles, like electric cars, make up 70% of the media mentions and only like 7% of sales. Right. And so I do think that the number of people who want an electric car is growing but I think the number of people who are willing to buy a hybrid is much higher, especially they've been on the road for a long time now. When you look at the way that the market is going, you know, think about every Lexus having, you know, hybrid powertrain, 30 to 40 miles to the gallon, standard all-wheel drive, seamless operation, battery around town, and then you have engine for longer road trips and things like that. Hybrid, I would have loved to see hybrid be Lexus core differentiator. You know, now we're moving to plug-in hybrid and battery electric, so. Well, that's what they did in Europe. Yeah. They went strictly hybrid only, except for like the LX, and they really used that as a, as you said, like a differentiator and were able to really gain a foothold in that market due to their hybrid only policy. Mm -hmm. And I really feel we, we can't go an episode without talking about this 3.5 liter V6, but <laughs> I really do feel that at a certain point they should have switched over in North America to hybrid only. It would have been a break. There would have been people disappointed by that for sure. Sure. But I also think that it would have put them in a better position now. A little bit of short-term harm for long-term gain. Yeah. Imagine how cool it would have been if, say, like in 2012, the new GS came out. Yeah. Imagine if the GS came out only as 450H in 2012. It would have been insane. <laughs> like People would have been like absolutely shocked. Lexus never ran a marketing campaign for the GS450H. Never. A and, never and, not a single one. Yeah. And it's just so crazy because that was a vehicle that was really ahead of its time. I mean, you remember Motor Trend compared the GS450H with the Panamera hybrid and chose the GS. Yeah. I love that powertrain. It was, it was so evenly balanced despite the CVT. I really enjoyed that as a vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been such a cool differentiator mm -hmm. for the ES at the same time. You know, like the GS is this technological showcase hybrid 340 horsepower, I guess bringing it full circle, you know, you're right that I think it's almost like the time has passed. So I think Lexus, you know, I'd love to see potentially the next generation of almost everything is hybrid. Well, I do like the idea of them separating their performance line and using this naturally aspirated V8. That's fun. But the core vehicles don't need to have a non-hybrid powertrain. Agreed. I think that there's a position, I think, for both. But at the same time, I don't think that it necessarily has to be on every model. And speaking of things where its time has come, one of the things with this announcement that they made was that they're going to introduce their first plug-in hybrid this year. Mm -hmm. I think we both know what that is. Right. It'll be on the NX, based heavily on the RAV4 Prime. Yep. It's interesting because Kirk mentioned last episode about how difficult it is to find one of these RAV4 Primes. 
Yes. There wasn't the same issue with the Prius Prime. Prius Primes were pretty easy to get your hands on. I guess it's just the market. So there's just not many of them being built. If I recall correctly, the way that they phased the RAV4 Prime rollout was I think it was prioritized for markets like New York and California. So it's funny because I have a neighbor who lives one street up from me and I was out for a walk with my dogs one night and a RAV4 went by and it made no noise. And I was like, there's no way that's a prime. Like living in Georgia, we're not one of these prioritized markets. Yeah. And sure enough, kind of walking around my neighborhood, like where is this RAV4 prime? Cause I know it's here somewhere. <laughs> Your personality revealed. Right, right. So a, a couple of nights later, um, I was walking by and the guy had it parked in his driveway and he was actually pulling the plug like out a window to charge it in his driveway. <laughs> I was like, is that a RAV4 Prime? He said, yeah. He said, I had to wait eight months to get it. I paid full MSRP and I ordered it from New York, but I got it. I mean, it is like, oh my gosh, what a package that car is. Mm -hmm. And I really want to tie this into the other key announcement that they made, which is that they're going to release a completely new model, a battery electric model in 2022. Mm -hmm. Because as we were talking about hybrids i also am starting to feel a little bit like that with plug-in hybrids but the actual package of a plug-in hybrid is is so perfect as a vehicle mm -hmm. to be able to not worry at all about range that's becoming less and less of an issue mm -hmm. But at the same time, not having to worry so much about range and yet still being able to capitalize on that electric only driving around town. Right. It's the car that people should buy right now. I really feel like that segment in particular, you know, RAV4 NX, it's just perfect for that. And I think it's it coming is. out at a great time. I agree. But would you rather have that or would you rather have an F-150 Lightning? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I know the you F-150 Lightning. Now, talking about perfect vehicles, that really is something. What they've been able to do, I really love that they chose a core model and are just going for it. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that it's not a, a vehicle that's just made specifically to be an electric vehicle, you know, like the Mach-E. Mm -hmm. I love that they've chosen their best-selling vehicle and are just going to go guns out with this. I was reading yesterday that they've already received 200,000 reservations. Yep. It's bonkers. And I saw something yesterday. You may have seen the same thing, but when it came out, what did they say was the range? Was it like 300 miles, I think? Mm -hmm. They said was yeah, the range. Roughly. I saw something yesterday that said the range may actually be as much as 460 miles. Like the when it comes out, the range actually could be a lot higher than that. So it's hard to beat that as a package. And the way that they're rolling it out in terms of the trim levels, like you can buy one of these uh, F-150 Pros, like their work trucks, mm -hmm. with the EV for like, I don't even, I think it was like 44,000 US. I mean, mm -hmm. you're talking about a workhorse vehicle that doesn't have an engine, like <laughs> right it's i'm just i'm blown away by almost every aspect of this vehicle the way they positioned it the choices that they made even the technology within it um the just frunk. really impressive yeah the frunk and i was reading about that and the way that there's actually like compartments available within there that are usable space like it's all very well thought out the frunk seems kind of funny. Like you look at it in pictures and you're like, oh, it has a frunk. But I would buy a truck because I could use it for landscaping and house projects and stuff around here. Mm -hmm. But I like I do like to be able to have a trunk or a covered cargo area. So you yeah. look at something like that that has a bed for all the stuff you need a bed for. And then it also does have a frunk where you can throw you know, stuff you don't want exposed or you don't want other people to see. And it's kind of like you said, it's like pretty much the perfect package. <laughs> yeah. 
And it made me think about this, uh, this Lexus battery electric vehicle because, well, first off, you know, what's your guess? Oh, it's the RZ. Yeah. That's what I think too. I think that it's, it's pretty clear to me, like just with the timing of the concept. But my disappointment with this is that it's not the RX. And I know that's funny. Mm, It's a good point. But the RX is Lexus's icon. It's mm-hmm. it's the Lexus icon. And I would have really loved to see them do something very similar to the, what Ford has done with the F-150 Lightning and just put it all on the table and take their most popular vehicle and offer it with this. I think there's a first mover advantage to the electric Agreed. market. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think that the danger is that someone's going to come out with a mid-size crossover that isn't the Tesla and they're just going to be able to, to wipe up that high-end market because the way the rx did originally in 98 yeah Yeah, i think you're right that's a really good point and we know based on the trademarks that they're going to have a couple hybrids but just like we're talking about it's not the same no to bring it back to the tesla on a whole their designs are fairly innocuous if they weren't electric cars i don't see that they would be all that popular outside of the model s i think their cars are absolutely awful looking and i think that the model x is by far the worst one easily the worst it looks like a used bar of soap i don't know it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't look like an suv it doesn't look like a wagon and those doors i just right. i just don't right. get so much of that it's just a really strange looking thing so when i think about that segment that mid-size crossover segment i don't think of that vehicle because i don't think anyone buys that because that's what they want i think they want want that segment and that's their only option all right i agree i don't think necessarily that you could say the same thing for like the model s i think there's an appeal to the model s Mm -hmm. that goes beyond the fact that it's electric but i really do feel like the first mass market luxury brand to launch an electric mid-size crossover is going to clean up will win yeah yeah and i think that it comes down to sometimes the idea that lexus wants to be a design innovator i have something very interesting on this exact point it's funny we kind of came to it organically do you remember when somebody asked akio toyota about tesla and his response was tesla is an ingredient not a recipe Mm. do you remember that i do not remember that because that's pretty on the nose It was. So the reason I say that, and one of the things that's super interesting to me about this is in this same release that Lexus made about 2 million hybrids, plug-in hybrid electric vehicle and a battery electric vehicle, they start to talk about the Lexus driving signature for electric vehicles. And then they start to put together some of these pieces with things like future electric Lexuses will have direct four and steer by wire. I'm not necessarily saying I'm happy that they're a little bit late, but if Lexus is stopping and taking the time to say, we don't just want to build an electric car, we want to build an electric Lexus. I'm kind of like, when I think about it in those terms, I'm like, hmm, okay. When you talk about something like the driving signature, it's very vague. You don't really know what that means. The way that you just put it really kind of encapsulates what Lexus is talking about when they talk about this driving signature. I don't necessarily think that they're just talking about the way it corners or the way that it accelerates. I think they're talking about the entire package. They're trying to codify what it means to be a Lexus once there's no engine. 
it's a cool point because exactly like we've been sitting here talking about, well, whoever comes first with an electric crossover. And I do agree with that. I do think it's definitely a first mover advantage. But when you sit here, so much of the conversation so far has just been who's going to do electric, who has electric, who has plug in, who has hybrid. We will get to a point where it says who has electric cars that drive better, steer better, corner better, are easier to live with. Maybe they are having to take that approach because they are a little bit late to the market compared to everyone else. But when I read through that release and it was talking about the Lexus driving signature for electric vehicles and they're about to deliver a fully baked recipe for what an electric Lexus looks like. Instead of just, oh, we built an electric car. It's so Lexus to be like, well, you might do it a little bit after everyone, but we'll do it better than everyone. (laughs) And I think that that's really like, like, you know, kind of bringing it back to what I was saying about the RZ versus the RX. I do feel like the RX is the more important vehicle. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, if I had to choose between the two of them. I haven't even seen the RZ and I would probably choose it first. And look, maybe there will be an electric RX. I have to actually believe there will be. It just might take a year or two after. Mm -hmm. But we know that it seems as though Lexus and Toyota can accommodate different types of hybrids on the existing TNGA platforms. Like, you know, we have the regular hybrids like the ES300H or the RX450H, and then now we're going to have plug-in hybrids like the NX450H+. But it seems like true electric vehicles have to be built on this new ETNGA platform. Like, it'll be interesting to see how they handle an electric RX because it might have to be built on a completely different platform from the standard car oh yeah and i think that the the reasoning behind it is is very clear lexus has to get a specific amount of years out of a generation vehicle they're not about to release a an rx that is on a completely new platform and leave the existing rx to sell beside it they're not going to do that so it does make sense and maybe it's just a matter of timing but i was thinking a lot about the f-150 lightning and just the way that they were able to really nail it i was just so impressed by it and so immediately i thought about if lexus could electrify any model which one would it be and i i would have to say the rx just in terms of its importance Mm -hmm. agreed in that sense maybe the rz is a little bit of a placeholder you know if they were further down the path on the new nx and rx and tx and the best they can do for those is hybrids it's possible that the rz was the best way to supplement those and create a new electric only vehicle knowing that the others wouldn't be able to offer full electric possibly until the next generation I do believe that the RZ from the ground up planned as an EV. I think it allows them to play with their formula a little bit, try and get it right. It's not going to sell at the same level as an RX full electric. Remember when the first RX came out, an SUV built on a car platform, Mm -hmm. and then it turned out to be the most successful Lexus ever and inspired an entire, (laughs) entire category of vehicles because everyone loved it. We all know that passenger cars are shrinking every month. And I think it's possible that if the RZ comes out and is well packaged and well put together, and let's say it offers like six and a half inches of ground clearance, which is a little less than an SUV, but more than a car with an upright seating position and stuff. It's very Mm -hmm. possible that Lexus could hit that formula on the head. And it's exactly what people want who are leaving cars. So like it could end up being both electric and a body style that is super popular and people love. Well, I mean, that's the flip side to what I was just saying in terms of choosing their most popular model. Maybe Mm -hmm. they're seeing this as the, the way 
forward for a lot of people. It's cool because we're seeing a little bit more of Lexus' approach to electrification take shape. We know that they're good at hybrids. For a lot of people, Lexus is synonymous with hybrids. Now we're going to have the NX450H+, Plus, which is going to be a huge answer to a question a lot of people have been asking yeah next year we will have the rz and i think probably also too the new rx so in addition to rz there will probably be like rx 450h plus and maybe even rx 350h potentially a an ev version yeah but maybe that won't reach us until 2023 yeah while I do absolutely believe and agree with what you said that the first person to come out with an electric midsize SUV is going to win, Lexus is probably looking at the business case saying, if we come out with an all new RX and all new TX and they both offer hybrids and plug-in hybrids, that probably is a slightly larger business and sales case. Yeah. I mean, look, it has to be in the pipeline somewhere. It's funny because bringing it full circle, it goes back to the announcement about 20 by 2025. Like we know that they're going to start folding in more hybrids, more plug-in hybrids, more battery electric vehicles. And so we're actually seeing it take shape now. But should we switch gears and go from electric to big old school five liter V8s in the IS 500 for a second? Yeah, I think we probably should. Yeah. So <laughs> you read the article that yeah. I wrote about the IS 500 F Sport performance versus the TLX Type S, and it got a lot of interesting responses. Um, well, it was your opus. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think? What, did you, what do you think about it? I thought that you hit it right on the head. You know, from my perspective, exterior-wise, I think I think the the IS wins. Yeah. And interior-wise, I think the Acura is above. Yeah. And and then it just becomes the the way that the Type S really can't compete on performance with with the IS. One of the cool things about that class of that are around that price point are a little bit different. Like yeah. We talked about on the last episode, some of the new AMG products are, are going to be four cylinder with like extra hybrids and batteries, but it doesn't mean they're not going to be cross shopped with an IS 500 just based on price and performance. Same thing mm -hmm. with the TLX Type S. So the cool thing about that category is that it's like every brand is doing things a little bit differently how they want to do it. Yeah. I think it's more that people probably say, oh, cool, there is a performance version of the TLX or, oh, cool, there is a performance version of the C-Class more so than they're like making an Excel spreadsheet putting down horsepower and weights <laughs> like I did. But I but for that case, you know, I do think there will be some people, especially folks who remember the glory days of Type S, who will be mm -hmm. thinking like, do I want a Type S or do I want an IS 500 or do I want an IS 350 F Sport? And, you know, my feeling on that, just because the Type S has all wheel drive doesn't mean that you have to option up an IS 350 F Sport with all wheel drive. Like if you take an IS 350 F Sport and you add a couple nice features, you know, you're at like... 48, 49,000, mm -hmm. which is a, a bit less than the Type S. So I think it's going to end up that the Type S is probably equal in terms of price between like a nice IS350 F Sport and the IS500 F Sport performance, in which case they kind of, you know, they all three compete in a sense and you can pick what you like most. But I, I have a feeling based on some of the rumors and things we've heard that the IS500 F Sport performance is going to probably be around 60k. Yeah. So if they, if they do that, you know, the TLX Type S loaded is like 54 to 55. So when you're shopping for a car on that price is $5,000 that much of a difference? No. Not really. <laughs> so and the other interesting thing too is that the Type S as a lot of people mentioned doesn't offer some of the cool features like from the A-Spec package like heads-up display and panoramic roof. 
And it's possible to think that on year two, Acura might say, oh, well, let's go ahead and throw in a couple more of those features and you end up with the car at 60K like an IS500 or something. Who knows? If you don't have an affinity towards either brand, I think all-wheel drive is a huge differentiator between the two of them. Yeah. And um, because personally, living up here in Canada, I don't know about, unless it was a third vehicle, I, I can't imagine driving an IS500 every day. Right. Through the winter and everything like that. Yeah. Versus like for me or somebody who goes to a track, like I'd much rather have rear wheel drive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. it's true. It's a very good point. It could be a big regional difference. It's different strokes for different folks, but I mentioned this in the article. I'm happy that there's more of those types of cars being built. So, you know, this is an ongoing discussion. If you have your own opinions, for sure, we would love to hear about them on the Lexus Enthusiast forums. There's a pretty spirited uh, discussion going on on all, all the social media platforms that we're on. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can sure. join in on the, your preference. So, And then really, there's only one more thing really that happened over the last couple of weeks. And that was a rumor out of Japan that the LF1 is going to reach production sometime soon sometime Um, sometime soon i (laughs) i I did like the render yeah i think it was best car put out a render and uh, very appealing still it also did say that it would start at a hundred thousand us which would make it the most i believe the most expensive lexus in in the us yep it would and so you're talking about an ultra luxury vehicle and i think lexus is top heavy in that regard they already have a fairly defined lineup flagship lineup and i just can't see them focusing their attention on a, on another one it's particularly the reason i say this is because i think that the rz hits on a lot of the notes that the lf1 had really but at the same time I can see the LF1 coming, but I, don't, I certainly don't see it next year or whatever time frame they were giving. I think we saw this. Lexus started making comments a couple of years ago with the LC and the new LS about building out that top tier of their lineup. And I think you're right. When we look at stuff like, especially kind of now that the GS is gone and the GX is so old, you either like you're basically going from ES to LS, which is in terms of price double (laughs) or pretty significant i'm with you that i just think the middle part of the lineup needs a little bit of work like we need to be able to have like esf sport performance and things like that to ladder up to those products but i just i mentioned this last time we talked about it i'm starting to feel like the time for the lf1 is passing and if they do tx and if they do new gx it just sort of becomes where does it fit in and especially where does it fit in in the future i think because we put together you know even if we put together rx and rz and gx and lx and tx that's a lot of product that's all like two or three rows and probably 50k plus Uh and just as we talked about with the idea of an electric rx there's a break point here where future investment is going to have to be made probably mostly in etnga electric products so i don't know it just it's feeling to me like if it didn't happen and we don't see a trademark or anything it may not the only other thought i have about that is i think it could come as lz so like Uh keep in mind there's no trademarks yet so you know just like we have with coupes where we have rc and lc and then you know suvs where we have rx and lx i think there could be lz above rz but i just don't know if that means that they take it and they shift it to being an electric product i'm a little I'm a little iffy. What do you think? I think that it's a good point. And uh, it's definitely, I was hoping that you weren't going to hit it because I was looking forward to to dropping it. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) I do think that 
the way that the market, there's going to have to be more differentiation between crossovers. And I think that a coupe style crossover, I can see it becoming the difference between a sedan and a coupe. I just think that there's an opportunity to release an NZ or a, I don't know about a UZ. No, I agree. I think there's really an opportunity to create a new line of vehicles. And I, I think that definitely some of Lexus's competitors have done that, successful or otherwise. Mm-hmm. There's no question that the way the market is now is the way it's going to stay. Maybe LZ gives them the ability to kind of like hedge their bets on what happens with the LS in a market that's declining for sedans. Like mm-hmm. maybe that becomes the natural parallel point for the LS. That's a huge conversation in terms of how does the LS fit into the future lineup? In reality, I think that this is a natural progression for Lexus in terms of their focus on design and their need for new product. Mm -hmm. I think that those two things together really pave the way for this RZ to just be the first in a full line of... of Zs. Yeah. Yeah, Zs, yeah. (laughs) It's sort of like Sport Cross. Like we talked about that a couple years ago. Like, should they bring back Sport Cross, like IS Sport Cross, ES Sport Cross, maybe even like LS Sport Cross as that in-between body style, but it makes way more sense to brand it as a specific model. So I think that about wraps up everything we had for this episode. Yeah. Hopefully on our next podcast, we'll have some fun stuff coming out of my trip here to Plano that we can share with you guys. Who knows? We'll see. Otherwise, until then, find us on social, find us on the Lexus Enthusiast Forum, and we'll be back in two weeks. Yes. Thanks, everybody.